This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. This episode is brought to you by Just Crack an Egg. It's time to put the heat, the sizzle, back into your relationship with breakfast. So head over to the egg aisle which is not an island. It is a place in your supermarket. <laughs> I wondered. And pick up Just Crack an Egg. It's a hot, fluffy scramble that's ready in less than two minutes. Yep. You crack a fresh egg over your Just Crack an Egg, and you stir, microwave, and you're done. Boom. Your breakfast is ready. Try all seven varieties and take breakfast back. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today, we're actually not cooking at all. But we are drinking it all. And it's one in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And we are here with author and drinks writer Maggie Hoffman. Hi. Thanks for having me. And we're going to be talking about Batch Cocktails, which coincidentally, is the title of Maggie's new book. Maggie is a writer for the San Francisco Chronicle and the author of The One Bottle Cocktail and this new book, Batch Cocktails, which I've been enjoying very much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. I was very excited to get, I think we got this book like a month or maybe even six weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. So I feel like I've really had some time with it, which has um, been a real pleasure because um, that also gave us time to really drink a bunch of cocktails. So as you know, Maggie, on this show, uh, we always start out with a segment called Memory Lane, uh, <laughs> where we talk about our childhood memories of drinking batched cocktails. Now, So that's awkward. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we all like had a lot of like shaken like individual cocktails, as children, as children. <laughs> but but batch cocktails like the concept was barely even around back then. <laughs> Seriously though, um, how like when did you when did you like first come across like the batch cocktail concept and become interested in it? You know, I think there's sort of two uh, paths to batch cocktails. I think some people, when you think about a batch cocktail, might think of like college punches. You know, garbage bins and Kool-Aid and terrible things. Wait, garbage bins? Is that is a garbage bin the name of like a a cocktail or a punch? No, like like a trash can. You know, dump it all in the trash can. The Everclear and the those those are terrible things. That's not a bad. Did you guys did you guys go to college parties like this? I was not cool enough to. I was not cool enough either. I feel like this is all just like like lore. So I went to I went to some college parties, like a couple of college parties, but they like actually ID. 
So no, I guess I didn't go to those parties. I went to one party that I remember um, that wasn't like in the student union. Mm -hmm. The (laughs) coolest possible place to hang out. And it was, oh, now I can't remember what it was called. I hope this kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. We had to. Oh, no. you, You couldn't wear more than your underwear. Oh, I've heard about this. It was one of those. How was it? Um, it was fine. I wore like a matching like hot pink bra and pair of underwear. But I don't remember seeing any I don't think I drank anything before we'll post going. Photos which, at spilledmilkpodcast.com. Shocking. I didn't drink anything beforehand. This is who I was at that time. What was the word that producer Abby taught us that's like pre-partying, but it's like what the kids oh, say nowadays? Pre-gaming. Pre-gaming. Or pre-funking? It was something even more awful than that. Pre-funking. That was it. Wow. Yeah. So these drinks are not those drinks. Okay. Good. Uh, <laughs> there is also sort of the history of the punch, and there was a great book by cocktail historian David Wondrich about punch going way back, and, and those are these sort of lighter drinks that have this long history that they often have tea and something lighter. Um, But I think what has happened in our recent memory, I moved to New York City in 2004 Uh and there were all these cool cocktail bars and they required so much work to get into where you were like going through a phone booth or you knew the password, all of those things. And for a while, that's where the good cocktails were. And since then, what has happened is that you know, cocktails are everywhere, and you expect every restaurant and bar to have good cocktails. Uh, Sometimes without even needing a password. Without a password. It's crazy. You just, like, point at the name of it, and they give it to you. I have a special <laughs> app on my phone that yeah, has all the passwords for all the speakeasies, <laughs> so I can just pull them up when I need them. Last pass, speakeasy yeah, exactly. edition. <laughs> But, you know, now that cocktails need to be good wherever you go, I think professionals have used batching as a tool to be able to give you a complicated and delicious drink quickly. Because in a speakeasy, you might have been willing to sit around for 15 minutes before you got your drink. But that's really not what people want in bars today. Why why did we ever start making drinks in, in like one serving Portions. Was it? Is, do you think it's like an issue of, of potency, like to, to limit consumption? Because we would never make pasta in a single serving, or like you never <laughs> make one point. cupcake. I mean, mm-hmm. I make pasta in a single serving for lunch. Um, really, you don't make more than that? Like no. to have leftovers? Not usually. We have been kind of calling this family style cocktails. Oh, sure. Which, I don't know about that, but I, you know, I do think <laughs> for when for when the. For when all, all the kids are at the table. Right. Yeah. And the parents need to have family-style yeah, Speaking as a parent, I am sick of having all of my kids each request a different cocktail at dinner and have to shake them one after another. And I mean shake the kids, not the cocktails. <laughs> Which you should never do. You, no. should, you should not shake a child, but you should give them the cocktail that they ask for. <laughs> I, I probably interrupted an actual answer to that question. You know, I'm not actually sure, but I think people do forget. And, you know, it probably goes back to the early days of ice. Um, <laughs> that's, that not, that's not what I expected you to say at all. People do forget that in every cocktail you've ever had in a bar, one of the ingredients is water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you're getting drinks one by one, they don't list water on the menu. They're not pouring water into a jigger. But when you get drinks one by one, they're stirring that water in in the form of ice or they're shaking in the form of ice. So right. in these cocktails, you're not just multiplying, you know, your favorite drink and putting it in a mason jar or a pitcher. If you show up that way, your drink is going to be very strong and very sweet. Oh, interesting. Mm. 
I, I was wondering about that because the the drink that we're drinking right now, which is the happiness, which we'll talk more about in a little bit, the recipe asked me to add some water and bitters uh, before serving. Um, and the bitters, the bitters made sense, um, but I wasn't sure why I was adding water. But yeah. it does. But it tastes right. I think people assume that water is just to bring down the proof, and they think, "Oh, I'm really tough. I like my drink strong." But you really need that bit of dilution to every serving, yeah, um, to bring it all into balance. Sometimes when I make a Negroni at home, I yeah, I feel like. I'm so glad to hear you explain it this way because the first few times I did it, you know, I, I like stirred the ingredients over ice and then I don't have like a Hawthorne strainer. So I like strained it through like a tea strainer into my glass because I'm, I'm super, I'm, I'm a great bartender, uh-huh. as you can tell. Anyway, and I was like, this is really intensely sweet and strong. And so I put a couple ice cubes in it and let it sit for a minute. And just that amount of mm-hmm. water added was, it made it taste like I wanted the Negroni to taste. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I think people from forget that drink making is like cooking that you do want to taste so these recipes all have water added but you may find that especially if it's something being served without ice it's being served up that your taste is to to lighten it up with a little more water Mm -hmm. drinks that are served on ice you want the first sip to be good but you also want the last sip to be good what do you do about that do you just drink fast you should just drink fast. <laughs> I thought so. That's what I've been doing. But like, there are some drinks like I, I like an old fashioned a lot, and I kind of like how it evolves over the course of drinking it. If you're sipping it uh, just as the ice cube melts, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess this is the beauty of using the type of like large ice cube or spherical mm-hmm. ice cube, which that, I did not do today, because um, those are going to to melt more slowly, right? Yeah. And if you have a lot of ice, that's another thing. I am going to briefly make fun of you because there's one little ice cube in this glass. Please do. And I do really believe that you know ice keeps ice cold so if you fill your glass and really load it up with ice all that ice is going to keep the whole thing colder this little measly pathetic ice cube wow Matthew uh, do you hear these words is going to melt pretty quickly there we go there we go so this ice is going to keep the other ice cold and it probably won't melt as fast no no I kind of like mine don't touch it Matthew So I think I first heard of the idea of making cocktails in batches for the purposes of aging, like for aging them in like a a little barrel Mm -hmm. or something like that to infuse them with other aromas and flavors. Like an actual little barrel like that a monkey would be? What does a monkey do with a barrel? Somebody, some patron of Delancey at some point gave us like a a small bourbon barrel. And Jeffrey Morgenthaler was doing them in Portland um, at Clyde Common. Yeah. And so, so and before that, you aged your drinks in a backpack that someone had just left behind at the <laughs> restaurant. Exactly. Yeah, it, we lined it with a plastic bag mm-hmm. first. A used plastic bag. <laughs> we are big into like mm-hmm. recycling plastic bags. Yep. Anyway, no, I was going to say that. Or I was going to ask. So, so batching. I mean, I, I think what I like best about this idea is that you know when you're making single drink after single drink, I guess it's fine if you're a bartender and that's your job. It is It is okay to be a bartender. <laughs> but if I'm having people over for dinner, for instance, I don't, I feel like it's one thing to stand there and like chop some vegetables while you're talking, but I don't want to stand there and be measuring multiple ingredients. Mm-hmm. Is this, is this what made you want to think about batch cocktails, this idea of how how to be able to enjoy people while also drinking a good cocktail? That's totally it. And I think, 
I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about how much time we spend on our phones and how little time we spend with each other. And I think if you're going to have someone over, you want to really spend time with them. And so I often, I kind of, I'm a ambitious cook, maybe over ambitious, will get myself kind of in trouble in the kitchen mm-hmm. with too many ingredients, too many things, and adding a cocktail to the mix is too much. But if I can prep food and kind of have it doing its thing and have a cocktail that's ready to go before the doorbell rings, then I can sit down and have a conversation and do the thing, which was the reason why I invited these people over mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the realization like that. that I had like... Uh, Far, much further into the book than I should have is like, I'm thinking like, we don't have people over that often. Like how often am I going to make a whole batch of cocktails? And then I realized, wait a minute, like these things keep, we can have some tonight and we can have some more tomorrow without having to do any work tomorrow. I assume that there are some that keep better than others. Can you give us kind of some do's and don'ts, like general guidelines about batching cocktails? Yeah. So this book is organized by flavor profile, but there's also a page in the front that has a list of drinks that keep. But basically, uh, if you're using fresh ingredients, watermelon, citrus, lime, lemon, orange, those kinds of things, you really want to do same day. Mm -hmm. When you go to a good bar, they are juicing, if not for each drink, they're juicing that day. If you want to get really precise about it, some people feel that orange juice really doesn't taste good after more than an hour. Uh Lime juice supposedly tastes its best after four hours. I just like to sort of prep anything fresh a couple of hours before my guests come over and I'll put it in the batch at that point. But anything that is shelf stable or refrigerated like a syrup those things can be mixed together in advance and in fact I really like to chill the spirits in advance Mm -hmm. Um, so you're kind of starting out cool no problem here no problem starting out cool uh, so basically, you think that are sort of stirred style cocktails are going to keep. And I did some really nerdy testing that <laughs> only turned into like one okay. or two lines. Tell us bu- everything. I bought a dorm fridge, okay, which looks really sophisticated in my living room. And I made each of these drinks the stirred style drinks, which mm-hmm. are made with just spirits and liqueurs and syrups and that kind of thing. I made them a few different ways. So I split the batch into four versions. I made like 18 drinks, four different ways. And then I made them to test two weeks out, a month out, two months out, six months out, and more. Wow. I love this. And each one I made undiluted without the water, with the water, with the bitters, and without the bitters, and all the different. So I was kind of testing those um, various permutations. So with water, with bitters, with water, no bitters, all the different things. Okay. And I put them all in mason jars. And I put them in the fridge, and we started tasting them in blind tastings. And I sort of didn't know what would be the best way to do it, and I wanted to be able to tell people how to do it. And in the end, after the blind tasting, it became clear that if you want to make these drinks completely as written in the recipes, they will be good for a week or two, just Uh fine. Especially if you're going to split it over a couple of nights, I kind of like to put it in a mason jar. So I'm like, okay, this is the servings for Monday and this is the servings for Friday, just so that they are not, not sitting with a ton of air. Sure. In there. Well, um, and also, you put it in a mason jar because you're from Brooklyn. Sure. And if you are going to get nerdy and keep them longer than two weeks, I think most people are just making drinks for the week or, you know, it's meal planning, basically. But if you are thinking about the long term, maybe you want to do holiday gifts or that kind of thing, then if I'm keeping it more than two weeks, I like to leave the water and the bitters out. Mm -hmm. And I think leaving the water out keeps the drink at a high enough proof that it's preserved. 
Mm. Um, and they just felt like they kind of fell apart flavor-wise if they were aged with the water. Um, but aged without the water and without the bitters, we have jars that we are opening that are a year old, and they are so delicious. Wow. This episode is brought to you by Just Crack an Egg. You know, if there's one thing I love, it's a hot breakfast. And if there's Wait, one thing that's, I, that's the only thing you love? Uh, right. There is one thing that I love <laughs> in the world, and that thing is a hot breakfast. But I also don't want to put in basically any work to get it. Can you help me? I can, Matthew. Here's what you do. Okay. All right. You put on I'm your shoes. Notes. You yep. walk down to the mm-hmm. grocery store. You go to the aisle where eggs are sold. All right. And do you, I have to put on my shoes? Anyway. Slip ons, would that be okay? They have this product called Just Crack an Egg. Basically, what you do, you bring this home, you crack a fresh egg into your Just Crack an Egg. Yeah, it's like a cup full of fresh ingredients. Yes, full of like breakfast fixins, like like everything you need for a Denver omelet, for instance. Anyway, microwave it and you have got a fluffy, fresh scramble ready to eat. Yes, I recently had the Southwest style Just Crack an Egg and it was delicious. And I'm going to say it took less than two minutes. Don't wait for the weekend to add a little hot, hearty breakfast love to your morning. (laughs) Woo. It's time to (laughs) run with your arms wide open to the egg (laughs) aisle and take breakfast back with just crack an egg. Don't squeeze the eggs too hard, though. This episode is brought to you by Grove. And Grove is a company that makes it super fast and easy to get your hands on the cleaning products, the natural cleaning products that you want for your home and family. And it's spring. I guarantee there is something in your house that needs to be cleaned, whether it's a trail of muddy footprints or uh, some dust or the shower or yourself. I'm about to put in my Grove reorder. And I love that Grove has all of my favorite brands. They got Mrs. Myers, they've got Seventh Generation, they've got Burt's Bees, and they've got Grove's own flagship label products like Grove's Glass Cleaner. It comes in these tiny little concentrated tubes, and I'm going to reconstitute it in my Grove brand glass spray bottle. I love using it. It almost makes cleaning the stovetop fun. And now when you place your first order of $20 or more, new customers will get a free cleaning set, which includes Mrs. Meyer's spring hand soap, dish soap, and multi-surface spray available in peony, lilac, or mint, and a Grove Collaborative cleaning caddy and walnut scrubber sponges. I have gotten those Grove scrubber sponges. They are great. So try now before this exclusive spring offer runs out. For a limited time, get a three-piece cleaning set from Mrs. Meyer's, free 60-day VIP membership, and a surprise bonus gift when you sign up and place an order of 20 or more at grove.co slash spilled milk. That's grove.co, not grove.com, grove.co slash spilled milk. So the drink we're drinking right now. Tell us about it, Molly. Uh, well, Matthew, you made it. I did. So basically what happened was I got this email like six weeks ago from Maggie saying, uh, I want to be on your podcast. I'm sending you my book. Start Make a cocktail now and leave it in your fridge until I get there. And I did. And so this one is called Happiness. It's a it's basically a reverse Manhattan, mm-hmm. meaning that it's got more vermouth, two parts vermouth to one part bourbon in this case. And then, Matthew, just today you added Angostura bitters and yep. water, right? Yeah, it felt like I was putting in a crazy amount of bitters. But you had kind of a crazy amount of cocktail. You right, had, of you course. You had like, what, um, like a almost a one liter bottle of cocktails. Yeah. 
And so, Maggie, you mentioned when when you first came in that this was one of the cocktails that you still have aging after a year. What I know that, you know, that Matthew used probably a different bourbon from what you used. But what do you notice about it? What changes after a year? I mean, it's all a little mystical, but I think there's a textural change similar to when you have wine that ages. It sort of seems to get sort of velvety and legs yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> is it legs like when you like see it like dribbling down the side of the glass yeah okay. yeah and i don't know what that measures but they there is a textural change and they just it seems to sort of coalesce mm-hmm. and i think it's just really delicious there is a little bit of that beginning of oxidative flavor like you would have in sherry or something like that but it's all kind of tied together and I don't know. They're just, it's cool. It's its like going back in time or something. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I made uh, i made two adjustments to this recipe. One is I, um, I didn't have uh, any bourbon and only a small amount of rye on hand. And oh, so Matthew, I actually. You know, recipe writers hate it when you do this. I'm, I'm like, I'm You're like, like the guy well, I didn't in, like the, in the review on Epicurious. I... Like, yeah. So um, I used uh, Jameson because that's what I had a bottle of. I think it really works. I mean, this is one of those drinks that basically is a play on a classic. Right. And there's not too many variables. So I think you could have fun with this one. Matthew, are there what what other um, what other recipes did you consider making from the book? Um, Okay, so another one we talked about um, was uh, the bone machine. The Bone Machine has been the quickest one to sell out at all the book parties we've been doing. Really? I think people what's, like okay, the what's name. in the Bone Machine? Well, um, so I it, love the. Do you know? Is it named the for the Pixies song or the uh, Tom Waits album? You'd have to ask uh, Jeff Lyon, who okay. made the drink, um, who's at Third Rail in San Francisco. And I had the drink at the bar and was like, I need this. Yes. Yeah, so the Bone Machine is uh, sherry, bourbon, amaro, Benedictine, and orange bitters and Angostura bitters. Uh, there were some of those things I didn't have. I do not have a very well-stocked bar. Well, and but, the beauty of this, yeah. in that it's a batch, is at least you're not just using like a quarter True. of an ounce and then putting yeah. it on the shelf for the rest of the year. If you're going to buy a bottle of Benedictine, it's good to like keep, sure. start moving through it. Um, and I like that one because it drinks like a whiskey drink, but it's actually mostly sherry. Okay. And the, the, you use sherry quite a bit in these cocktails in I this book. Sherry. And I loved that. I feel like whenever I have a cocktail out and about that has sherry in it, I love it. And I have never thought to stock it in my own bar. And now I feel like I have a lot of reasons to. Yeah. So the um, the other change that I made uh, to, to the recipe today, which is not really a change, is I bought a half bottle of the Carpano Antica, so which was perfect for making a three-quarter recipe. And now you're going to go buy a full bottle. Because it's, it's really it's good. So good. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. So another one that uh, that I'm looking forward to making is the Perfect Circle, which I'm just going to assume is named for the REM song, uh, which is uh, Sherry, Campari, and Sparkling Wine. Super light, refreshing, spritzy. And Sherry, you know, Sherry in cocktails often is like almost a little savory. Mm-hmm. It's not sweet. So it's, you know, unless you're using a, a, a sweet Sherry like a PX, it's usually cutting the sweetness of the drink, which I like. Yeah. I love the idea of the Frankie Panky, um, which is in the bitter section. Well, so so this book is divided up into into sections, right? There's there's herbal ways one, there's fruity, um, there's bitter, there's boozy, 
there's a little something for everybody, including I, a uh, an alcohol free section. Oh, that's true. The Frankie Panky is a hanky panky that trades the gin in for tequila instead. Ah, I like the what's, idea what's of that. What's a hanky? Oh, panky. Um, a hanky panky is is basically it's a it's like a martini with fernet. It's gin, okay. fernet branca. What else is it, Maggie? I think it's, you've got it. I think it's some, something that. like that. Probably yeah. has a little bit of dry vermouth because it's kind of martini esque. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, instead of gin, this one's got tequila. I think that sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. I also, and I must admit, I was really drawn to the the sort of bitter and boozy drinks. Because um, you're you're the Negroni girl. I am. So there's also the Double Down, which sounds really good. It's um, almost equal parts rye and cardamaro, which is. Um, an Amaro that has like a, well, I mean, it, it cardamom? To, to me it reminds me of, of the flavor of cardamom, but turned into like a bitter aperitif. I don't think it has cardamom no, in it. I think it's, it, oh, don't quote me on this, but, it's, but I think it's it's named uh, for cardoons. Not, oh, okay. Not cardamom. Um, though. But it's got this like really, um, like a, a warm spice feeling mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, kind of Christmassy spice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so rye, cardamaro, and then a, a lesser amount of fino sherry. Cardamaro sounds like if I was uh, trying to make up the name, like I was making a fake cocktail recipe and I wanted to put in some fake ingredients. That's not like the word I would come up with. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in some cardamaro and some <laughs> finolarolo. <laughs> Fino la rollo barolo. And then a couple of rollos. Yeah. Just That's how you're going to make your millions. You got to make some Fino Barolo. <laughs> because of Fino Barolo, it's just, it's one bottle of Fino Cherry, one bottle of Barolo. And then you pour it over Rolos. <laughs> you pour it over Rolos. But first you freeze the Rolos, so they're oh, like yeah. ice cubes. You actually, you, uh, you liquid nitrogen freeze them and then grate them. <laughs> this is getting better by the second. Uh-huh. We're mixologists. You know, Maggie, I feel like we've pretty much written the proposal for your next cookbook here, so <laughs> you're go. welcome. Oh, it's all cocktails made with, with frozen candy candies? bars. Okay. You so, laugh, but that could be a thing. Can we talk a little bit about bitters and why we would yeah. add bitters toward the end? So I think of bitters as sort of the bartender's salt and pepper, right? Mm-hmm. This oh, yeah. sort of like a way of a kind of doing a fine, fine balancing of flavors mm-hmm. or sort of just making it taste good. Yes. Why would we, so most of these recipes, if they use bitters, you suggest that we add bitters um, like right before serving. Why Why do we do that? Um, you can certainly add bitters anytime up to about two weeks, but different bitters are different. And I've talked to a lot of bartenders about this. I think if you're aging longer than two weeks, which is probably not what you're doing most of the time, mm-hmm. I think it's better to add it at the last minute. It seemed in my aging trials that the bitters sort of faded if they were sort of a spiced um, Angostura or something like that. They were sort of fading over time and disappearing. Uh, There's also, they can, anytime you're aging a drink, obviously you're going to mix it gently before you serve it. But, you know, I think some people have experiences where they only taste the bitters and it's because there's been sort of a separation. Um, I've also heard that uh, people have experiences with spicy bitters seeming accentuated over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if you are making drinks for that week, and this isn't that many drinks, it's about eight servings usually, it's fine to add them in just following the recipe. Um, but if you're aging for a year, you want that control. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Matthew, yes. 
I kind of want to know. I want Maggie to tell us. Okay. So this. So this, basically, I don't have to do anything here. So it, it's late May. It's late May, right? Yeah. When people are listening to this mm-hmm. episode, what should people think about drinking right now? Like, which if if they were going to make a couple batch cocktails in the next month, what recipes should should they start from? End of May, early June. What are we going to make? Yeah, I mean, I start thinking about barbecues, and maybe that's a little ambitious weather wise. Sure. But you know, I really think these drinks are great for like casual outdoor gathering. Yes. You are not running back and forth to your kitchen. You're not. You don't bring cocktail shaker outside this is a situation when you want a pitcher ready to go for everyone um i have one that i really like that's almost a play on sangria a white sangria but Uh it's made it's called the birds again um it's from bartender named sean traxler and it's a mix of sauvignon blanc and dry vermouth so it has kind of that extra sort of herbal flavor and you use fresh basil and lime juice and you're almost making a sour, like a margarita, is really a sour good. with tequila. Yeah. This is a sour using Sauvignon Blanc. And I really love that with the fresh basil. It's just really, really refreshing. Oh, there's so many. I mean, I think you almost work your way through starting with herbal and then fruity. I'm really into watermelon drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of watermelon drinks. One of them is super simple, just watermelon juice and rum and Peychaud's bitters, which is has mm-hmm. a sort of anise flavor mm-hmm. that's really nice with watermelon. It's just one of those like perfect pairings um, with lime. And you don't need a juicer for this. You can just put watermelon into a blender and then push it through your strainer. I don't think you said the name of the drink. Uh, that's the Sandy Bottoms. Okay. It occurs to me, so you, you so some of these drinks are batched for a like a one liter bottle, and some of them you specifically suggest a two quart pitcher as the vessel. Where do you get your two quart pitcher? What's your two quart pitcher? Because like I don't own like a two quart pitcher. I mean, honestly, guys, while we've been talking about this, I've been picturing myself emptying out a plastic like gallon sure. milk jug. Yeah, guys, so- and taking like a like a milk jug partially filled with cocktails like to the beach. I love that. I love that. And I think I sort of wanted to start with the smallest size people have Mm -hmm. because you can put eight servings of punch in a larger container, but you can't put eight servings of punch in a smaller container. And you have to be very sure one of the like best practices is to make sure you know how big your container is. And if it's smaller, if you're going to split between a couple, like, so something I do sometimes is take, like, empty seltzer bottles and make a big batch and split it between. So those are about a liter. And so if you're making an eight-serving batch, you could split it between two of those. But you want to mix everything together first so that you're not like, oh, I have one more cup of lime. I guess it doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, Okay. So you want to mix in the larger container, mix in your gallon and divide it in whatever you're going to bring. Maybe a water bottle. I was just in New York on book tour and brought cocktails to meetings in water bottles. Um, Amazing. And they stayed cold, which was pretty rad. <laughs> nice. Uh-huh. Did you uh, take them in like insulated water bottles? Mm-hmm. Oh, I cool. love it. I love it. Like uh, like a sneaky high school student. <laughs> this, is, this is a thing I've been hearing about recently. Let me ask you a question that is completely unrelated to cocktails, but it is related to volume measurements. Say you've got, you've like had dinner and you've got some leftovers that you want to put away and you go to find like a Tupperware container or something. Do you, like me, always grab one that's way too big? Yes. Okay. But Molly? I have recently I edited all my Tupperware down. Okay. We are a two Tupperware household. Two. Like two sizes you have or small, literally two no, vessels? Small or big. Okay. 
and like nothing that. else. So you're never looking for lids. Right. It's it's changed my life. Highly recommend. This wow. is your next book. <laughs> wow. I'm gonna do this. I I'm gonna I'm dropping the the microphone and I'm gonna go do this right now. I've never thought about this. It's gonna be my first mic drop. I feel like I guess I must be. Maybe I I don't know. Maybe this is like my my one special talent in life is is judging the volume of things just by eye. We all, we all have our soup one superpower. We all power. have like, our talents. Rifling through the drawer looking for the round lid or the medium mm-hmm. round lid or the slightly bigger no, round lid. No, because I have very few Tupperwares or, you know, containers that are not those those like deli containers that they use in restaurants a lot mm-hmm. or Cambros that they use in restaurants. I, I only have a few that are not those. So it's pretty easy to find them. Nice Cambro, bro. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, bro. All right. Maggie, I know we're it's it's gonna be way too late for listeners to come to your event this afternoon as we're recording. What do you have anything coming up uh, that may not have already happened yet by the time people hear this on May 23rd, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm really excited for summer because I'm hoping people will have like a bunch of barbecues and picnics. And I just want people to make a bunch of batch drinks and take pictures of them and put them on Instagram and tag me. Like, I just want to see people having a good time this summer. And invite you, presumably. So I think we should all just make a lot of cocktails, tag Maggie in all of our photos. I think that's what she's saying. She just wants us to tag her left and right. Hashtag having fun without Maggie. (laughs) Hashtag you're not invited. (laughs) Hashtag Batch cocktails, Maggie, not included. <laughs> uh, you can find us online at spilledmilkpodcast.com, where we will post a link to buy Maggie's book, Batch Cocktails. Um, we will post, uh, may we post the recipe for the happiness? Sure. Okay. Wow, um, Matthew, way to really put her on the spot. Yeah, Ask her that right. with the tape rolling. <laughs> yeah. What, what if the answer was no? <laughs> Okay. Our producer is Abby Circatella. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash spilled milk podcast. What is your favorite batch cocktail? Yeah. And and what what kind of picture do you use? Yeah, let's talk let's talk pictures. I want to see I want to see pictures of your pictures. I want to see picture yeah, picture pictures of your pictures. pictures. Wow, this pictures. cocktail is really having its effect on me. <laughs> I've I've had like a quarter of mine and and I'm already feeling it. We're real lightweights over Ooh. here. Um, let's see. You can find us anywhere you've already found us. So, you know, <laughs> CastBox, Stitcher, uh, Google Play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Matthew, where else? Yeah. All right. Thank you to Maggie Hoffman for being our guest today. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, come back anytime, but bring cocktails. And thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. You can age us over a year, but we're not going to get better. <laughs> I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Amster-Burton. <laughs> I'm Matthew. And I'm Motley. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we eat something delicious. Nope. No, that's not it at all, Matthew. <laughs> Try again. I'm Matthew. And I'm Motley. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all. <laughs> and Matthew can't seem to time. get our slogan out. What? Is it our slogan? Is it a slogan? It's it is, a catchphrase. It's uh, a mantra. A mantra to live by. I'm still doing like 100% better than, than you did on the last episode. That's true. Okay. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where, where we cook something <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maggie, I think you're making Matthew no, nervous. <laughs> and this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious. Eat it all. <laughs> wow. Would you like me to do this? Well, to be fair, I did have you... one sip of this cocktail. Ugh, Matthew oh, no. is all a right. disaster. No cooking required. Okay. <laughs>